Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Hello Pistons fans, and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We are fresh off of the trade deadline. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, here to discuss the latest Pistons moves, moves from around the league, uh, and where the Pistons are headed to now. But to begin the podcast today... We um we'd like to keep our dear friend Aaron in mind. Stanley Johnson is no longer a member of the of the Pistons organization, and um, we know how much he uh, he meant to Aaron, and, and how much Aaron was a believer in him. And, and we just want to let you know, Aaron, that we we are here for you. We've got your back, and and that Stanley is going to be safe and okay. In his new home in New Orleans, and um, you know we're here for you, buddy. We're here for you. It was a major blow to the psyche and to the overall well-being of Aaron when that move went through. Uh, we had to do a wellness check. He threw up. I believe it. Look, I'm. There was a reason Palace of Pistons was created, right? You know, Stanley Johnson was the factor that made me want to say, "Hey, I want to dedicate." All of my free time to the Detroit Pistons, and uh, you know I think at this time it's uh, there's going to be an announcement coming in the near future. Uh, my time here might be coming to a close, and uh, you know I'll leave it at this. Anthony Davis, you know he thought he wanted to leave New Orleans, but the Pelicans just got a second star. The Pelicans just got him another star to play with, and uh, when Anthony Davis stays in New Orleans this off season and resigns in the offseason following. It's going to be because Stanley Johnson became the player that I knew he would be eventually become, uh, and, and Detroit could never unlock that. Uh, it, it's unfathomable, and I know that Stanley's going to figure it out somewhere else, and, and New Orleans will be the place. On a, on a very real note, I can't believe that Stanley Johnson was the reason this all started. <laughs> that is a wild move. Well, I was kind of joking. I but, know, I know. But... Come on, go with the joke. Well, I, you know, people oh, on people man. on Pistons Twitter will take it serious. People on Pistons Twitter may think I was actually crying at the beginning of the uh, the podcast too. It's just I did. I did, did you really think that Pistons Twitter is smarter than that? It's only when you bring up insane things like Andre Drummond is good. When I'm, they, I'm you know, just gonna let everyone know that I do seriously believe Stanley Johnson's gonna figure it out in New Orleans. Like, no, I, I'm willing to bet some serious. Well, I mean, I think that. we're just, mm-hmm. let's kick it off right here. I think uh, Stanley definitely needed a change of scenery. Stefanski talked about it earlier today in his own presser. Um, he de- no, he definitely needed that change of scenery, and I think he's gonna figure some things out, and it's, it'll be good for Stanley. But I don't think he'll ever reach any sort of should we, great height. Should we give the full trade details just so yeah, maybe go those for it. that didn't know go for it didn't you know didn't know get to get to know it now? Sure. Well, obviously Stanley Johnson goes from Detroit to Milwaukee, and then Milwaukee is able to flip Stanley Johnson, 
right? And they sent Stanley Johnson, some second-round picks. Uh, Jason Smith. Jason Smith, exactly. And they get Nikola Mirtich in return. And, guys, to get Mirtich for, to be honest, a very friendly package for the Bucks, that's a huge win. And I do think for New Orleans... To get a guy like Stanley Johnson and I mean, move Miritich, who you maybe not you weren't going to keep for long term, anyways. Um, again, to get four second round picks, packaging those second round picks can turn into some bait to flip two or three of those in, in a you know a larger scale trade or whatnot. Um, so I actually think both sides got something of pretty good value yeah. out of this. I would say the Bucks in the short term won that deal. But if one of those second-round picks really hits and or Stanley Johnson figures it out, the Pelicans did okay, too. Well, and the thing is, this became a three-team trade with the Pistons getting Thonmaker in return. So the Pistons, in technicality, they ended up sending Stanley Johnson to the Pelicans, just technically-wise, even though the Pistons sent him to Stanley... Or the Pistons sent Stanley Johnson to the Bucks originally. So the Pistons only shipped out Stanley Johnson. The Pistons only got back Thonmaker. I know... When the three-team trade details came out, fans thought Detroit was sending second-round picks. That's not the case. Um, but yeah, this is a great trade for really bo- for really all sides involved. I think everyone gets to do what they wanted to do with the outcome of this trade. The Bucks obviously get a lot better with the addition of Nikola Mirotic, a guy that is only going to help their chances <laughs> in an Eastern Conference that spent the deadline uh, tooling up assets and tooling up players that can that the top East can make a difference in the playoffs. Uh, New Orleans, like you hit on, Brennan, they get assets, which I'm a big believer in loading up on assets when you're when you're either going to be rebuilding or in an unsure state as a franchise. I'm a big believer in loading up on assets and seeing what you can get with those assets, whether you package them together in another trade or you you know draft these guys and see what they become or you get a, a young player like Stanley Johnson where you can unlo- you know unleash him, give him free reign and see what he does for your team and then Detroit gets Don Maker who out of us three I'm probably I'm not going to say pessimistic because I'm not necessarily pessimistic it's about, the Pistons Aaron can never be pessimistic I, I, I'd like to I think I'm very neutral on the idea of him as this this get for Detroit I think it's very mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there's a ton of necessarily upside with the addition of Maker I, I know that's where you and I uh, tend to disagree Aaron I'm not saying Thonmaker is going to be some all-star, superstar player. Get rid of Andre because Thonmaker is going to slide right in. Not saying any of that. But I think a change of scenery will be great for Thon. I think Thon needs to hit the weight room. I think Sanderson needs to get on him immediately. If you bulk that guy up from 220 to 245, which will be very easy to do over the span of three, three and a half months, he immediately becomes a better player. The guy plays hard as hell. He busts his ass. He just doesn't fully understand how to properly play in the NBA yet. If they can adjust that, adjust his mindset, he plays hard, he has the tools to be a very solid player. And ultimately, sorry, I think a steal for the Pistons. You know, I just want to quickly say, thank goodness. Like, this is back to normal. Last week, all you two did was, like, agree with each other. And it was uh, it was like some love across the table here on the podcast. And finally, not even seven minutes in, I've got Ryan going, Aaron, this is where we disagree. And boy, is it great to be back. That is something because we've been talking Pistons, Aaron and I, for 
seven years probably. And in our seven years, I don't think we've ever agreed on anything. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, I'm not sure if we've ever agreed on anything. All the way back to the Ben Simmons versus Stanley Johnson days. When I was uh, just stop. going to bring the Ben that Simmons up. versus Stanley stop. Johnson. I days. remember this. Oh, I remember Ridiculous. this like it was oh, my yesterday. This is, oh my goodness! This is atrocious. No, oh, this goodness. is not. This is absolutely isn't. But that's wow. not the point of everything. But last week we were completely in sync, completely step for step, lockstep. Aaron and I were one brain, and that was something that's never happened before. And <laughs> immediately on this pod, it flips back. Um, so you, you look at the other move that the Pistons made. They traded away Reggie Bullock, um, and they got back Zvi. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name. Oh, Mackay Luke. It's Mackay Luke. Come on, Brennan. Mackay Luke. That's not even that hard. And a second-round draft pick. Um, I think the move to trade Reggie Bullock makes sense. You weren't going to re-sign him in the offseason. You get something in return. Zvi... You know, Ryan, we were talking a little bit before hitting on the pod here, and I'll let you kind of make that point in its uh, totality. But, you know, Zvi's been able to shoot the ball almost at every level he's played at. So maybe there's a chance for him to have some success here in Detroit. Oh, absolutely. Everywhere (laughs) he's played, every level he's been at, you know, college, G League, Summer League, everything, he has been a very, very, very good three-point shooter. And in sporadic and inconsistent minutes, he hasn't been able to fully put it together in the NBA. Well, I'm willing to give him a shot. First year, sporadic NBA minutes do not equal confidence, do not equal a shot at success. I think he he very much has the ability to be that 40% three-point shooter in this league. And that could be a hell of a steal and a hell of a weapon for this team going forward. Ed Stefanski came out after the trade. This and said at the press conference about these trades, he said he hopes that K- Coach Casey plays Mikhail Luke, likes the way he can shoot the ball, so he's got a beautiful form. Uh, and this trade as a whole, I, I, I refuse to believe this was the best Detroit could do for Reggie Bullock. In reality, I think, I think they got more value for Stanley Johnson, which just doesn't make much sense because you know Reggie Bullock is a better player than Stanley Johnson. But I think there's a player in Mikhail Luke, like Ryan had mentioned, just not a lot of minutes in the NBA. They've been sporadic. You look at what he's done at every other level he's played in, whether it be overseas and college and the G League uh, and Summer League. He's had a lot, a lot of games where he has just put up huge scoring numbers. Uh, we know he can shoot the basketball. He's got a great shooting stroke. And he's got some defensive upside. He came in and said he could, he'd like to be able to guard 1-4 to four if given the opportunity. Uh, won't be able to guard bigger fours um, just because that's his size and his strength limits him there. Probably isn't quick enough to guard some of the better point guards, which you wouldn't expect out of a rookie or a guy that is 6'8 and his primary position is the 2 or 3. Um, but you like the confidence that he has. I think it's a fine prospect to add to this team. Uh, I guess I'll live with the trade. I think they could have done a little bit better for Bullock. I was thinking they could have managed a first-round pick or a better player in the return, but I guess with him likely to walk in free agency, you take what you can get. You don't end up getting nothing for him. No, That's exactly what these moves were for Stanley and Reggie. You weren't going to re-sign them in the offseason, so you get what you can. Get some sort of return, some sort of asset. And I agree with you, Aaron, on the fact that I felt like they could have gotten more for Reggie Bullock. But what if the value 
of Svi Mikhailuk to the Pistons, to Stefanski and Malik Rose, was a lot higher than the value we're putting on him. Fair enough. What if they think, no, this kid can be good? Then then they need to make sure that he's empowered to do that. I agree. You know, they need to make sure he's getting the minutes, the touches, putting in the right lineups. And, and I'm not saying that is it, but the whole general consensus, not just with us, but with everywhere, it seems Reggie Bullock was worth more. But maybe the Pistons front office values fee higher than a lot of us do. Which we is, don't know what's going on in that front office. Which is fine. And my thing is, and I think this can lead us into the next topic, because I want to talk about those opportunities that Mikhail Luke is going to have. But Detroit traded away their the two wings that played the most minutes for them in in Johnson and Bullock. So the hole on the wing is ever present as it's ever been. Yes. And Mikhail Luke is a guy that theoretically should play in some of those minutes, but who are who who will play those minutes? Who will actually get the minutes? left on the table by the departures of Johnson and Bullock. How does the wing rotation shake out after those moves? Well, for starters, the absolute guy right now is Luke Kennard. The front office made a point of that. Indirectly, by not trading him, by balking at any sort of, we need for Mike Conley trade, right? We need more than Reggie in a first. We need Luke Kennard. All this stuff. They traded away the other two wings. It's Luke Kennard's time. So that is one who's going to get big minutes. His confidence right now should be sky high. Yeah. Hey, this organization <clears throat> believes in me. They're giving me the opportunity. My team believes in me. My coach believes in me. I need to believe in me. I need I need to just pull, pull, pull when I have those opportunities. Absolutely. You know, the other guy that's going to get more minutes is going to be Langston Galloway. You know, do you think Glenn Robinson finds some more time in the wing rotation? I, I think initially, yes. I, I want I want Glenn Robinson to get another shot. I mean, I've been saying that now for a few weeks. I think Glenn Robinson's due for another chance in the rotation, and I think now only solidifies that op- that, that need for an opportunity even more from because he's really the only true small forward left on this roster. I guess Mikhailu, you could say, is one, but he's a rookie. You know, he doesn't have the frame to really compete with small forward so I think Glenn Robinson has to be given a legitimate shot you look at the minute distribution for Luke Kennard this year he's actually played the majority of his minutes at small forward 67% according to basketball reference of his minutes have come at the small forward spot but we know that Dwayne Casey has gone with a lot of that two shooting guard kind of lineup uh, scenario that has put labeled Kennard as the small forward um, but yeah I, I, I think Glenn Robinson has to get a shot here because like I said He's really the only true small forward on the roster. Has good size, athleticism. He knows the system right now, where Mikhailu only has one practice in him. Um, so I think I think he needs to be given that opportunity. And again, because and this is a point that I don't think many have really grasped yet. But uh, Robinson is under contract with Detroit next year. They, the, the, the Pistons have a team option with his contract, but it's a cap friendly deal as well. So. For the Pistons who want to try to have cap space, maybe not so much in the upcoming offseason, but the offseason after that where they could really have a lot of cap space, they don't want to have to spend money on another wing in free agency this upcoming summer. So they need to see what's there with Glenn Robinson. And, you know, if he comes out and he doesn't play well, then fine. But in the two games recently where he, you know, he got a combined 13 minutes, he got 12 minutes against Milwaukee where 
Uh, he didn't play great, but he had a couple nice defensive plays, and then he had four points in one minute of play. He made a three-pointer and then made a free throw uh, in the game after that. Literally played a minute and 29 seconds and then never got back in the game. You, you have to try to build on that. You have to try to see what value is there in Glad Robinson because he's a, he's a, another young player that has athleticism, doesn't nearly have doesn't necessarily have great upside, but can come in and can be a rotation player for you. So uh, you got to give him a legitimate look to see what's there. And if there's nothing there, then fine. But it, don't just completely excess him from the <clears throat> rotation and let him walk in free agency and let another team, you know, get him and him play well. Like he was in Indiana before all the injuries he suffered. No, I agree. Initially, the minutes should and go to Glenn Robinson. Mikai Luke needs to get his feet wet. He's a rookie, a new organization, doesn't know any of the offensive sets, doesn't know any of that. Let him get used to it. I'm fine with something I told you guys about. If Thon Maker and uh, Sabine Mikai Luke don't necessarily get a ton of minutes until after the All-Star break. That lets them adjust to the trade, adjust to their new surroundings, adjust to the new team, the new coaches, everything new about the organization. It gives them a little time to get a feel, and in that time frame, that's when Glenn Robinson necessarily, more so, gets his chance, I feel. So who are who are the two starting wings and the two primary wings off the bench if you are Dwayne Casey? So right now, I mean, I want to say you're going to start Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard, but statistically it shows that those two went out there together the team necessarily doesn't do very well. No, the net rating is poor with those it's two on the court. With very the other poor with them. So maybe something we also discussed is Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard are your stars. I think you've got to put that belief in Luke that he is the number one guy by putting him in that starting rotation. Yes. We've got to get that confidence going. We've that's got what to I've known. That's what I've been saying for a while because I look back to when Stanley Johnson first started in Detroit, and I think that in a situation where he could have started. <clears throat> instead of Marcus Morris, I believe at the time, and you could you could use Marcus as that that sixth man, second unit guy. Um, I said you're going to ruin Stanley Johnson because he's never going to have the confidence. He's going to go in and play with the twos. He's going to be average with the twos. But when you see him play with the ones and he learns how to play with the starters, his level of play is going to elevate and he's going to get better for it. And it didn't really pan out for him because it took him too long to get to a position to be in that role and by that time he had kind of adjusted to being a six man if you will um you don't want the same trajectory for Luke Kennard the dude can flat out shoot he's not a great defender but he could flat out shoot the ball and, and he's you a need, playmaker too you, exactly you need to have a guy that can score in that capacity on the floor but anytime you have a scorer like that they have to be confident because if you're not confident, you can't get into a rhythm. You can't get into a rhythm, well, then he's really not giving you anything because he's not a great defender. So um, there, there needs to be a lot of focus on Luke scoring the ball, strapping up. And listen, Detroit, you know, they say they're going to compete in every game. They're going to try to win every game. But, you know, why not try to win with it being Luke Kennard? taking a, a good volume of shots and being, you know, your number two offensive option behind Blake Griffin um, and see how he does. Give him a shot. If it doesn't work out, then you know what you got and you you figure out how you could tailor it maybe to a better fit for him, but you've got to give him a chance. I, I think that Detroit will start <coughs> Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard. If I was Detroit, I would probably start Luke Kennard and Glenn Robinson the third. 
Um, or I would start Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard just to try that out again, especially since Reggie Jackson's playing a little <laughs> bit better right now. Um, but the big thing is empowering Luke Kennard. Like you guys have both preached, Kennard's taking seven and a half shots per game That's so terrible. far this it's gotta year. Be more. He's got to get up to eleven or twelve, yeah. I would think. It's got to be double digits. Um, what I was gonna say. The, the thing with me is, I think the fourth star, or the, excuse me, the fifth starter for Detroit does not need to be a high volume guy. Uh, and uh, I think Bruce Brown was it would be a good fit in that scenario because he's not a high volume guy. But in reality, you need that fifth guy to be a good three point shooter because those are where the looks are going to come for, from for that guy. And Bruce Brown isn't a good three point shooter. So if Langston Galloway or Glenn Robinson the third can kind of fit that mold of not getting a lot of touches, not getting a lot of opportunities to either initiate or, or necessarily be a factor in a lot of offensive sets but be ready to be a catch and shoot threat maybe get a couple backdoor cuts at the rim and stuff like that then those are probably better options than Bruce Brown but I think when you're looking at the future outlook for this team you really need to see what's there with with Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas and, and now Svi Mikhailuk. Oh agreed and the one f- final point I want to really harp on back to with Luke Kennard is this organization, like I've stated, has shown supreme confidence in him. By not moving him, by moving the two forwards slash wings, whatever you want to call them, that play ahead more minutes ahead of him. They decided on him. They are showing supreme confidence in Luke Kennard. He needs to feel that way about himself. He needs to know he has the green light to pull, to pull, to pull, to make plays. And I am not... I am not against giving Kyrie Thomas now an actual, a real opportunity. I know as Stefanski in his press today said, we're about winning, we're about making the playoffs, we're going to be hardcore in the buyer's market, we're looking at Wayne Ellington, all that good stuff. I'm now about what Aaron said. Look what your franchise has going forward as well. Mm-hmm. Give Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard those opportunities to play together. Get Kyrie Thomas in there and get Zvi in there. Maybe not right away, like I said. Let him get his feet wet, used to his surroundings. But eventually you've got to throw him into the fire and let him play. So we've talked about the Pistons' trades that they made. There was one that everybody thought may happen, one that we discussed kind of a preview of on the podcast before, but it did not go through. Mike Conley staying in Memphis, the Pistons... um, you know, we're in talks with Memphis. They were one of the lead candidates to land Mike Conley if he had been traded. But no trade happening for Mike Conley, not to Detroit. Um, and, Ryan, you kind of made the point earlier about how Detroit really buckled down and said we're not giving up Luke Kennard in this deal. We're not going to give away a, a future piece, a potential future shooting guard uh, of our franchise for Mike Conley. Um, but at the end of the day, Interesting that Detroit, though they were talked heavily about being in the mix, did not land Mike Conley, and the fact that Mike Conley didn't even move out of Memphis at all. Yeah, Detroit stood <laughs> pat with their offer of Reggie Jackson and a first-round pick for Conley, and thankfully so. You know, Conley would have been a very marginal upgrade over Jackson at this point in his career, considering the contract and the injury history of Conley. Um, you look at what Detroit would have would have had to give up. They were already committing to giving up a first-round pick. That it, This trade wouldn't have guaranteed Detroit a playoff spot necessarily. I mean, we thought, for example, last year that Detroit would make the playoffs after they traded for Blake Griffin. That didn't happen. So you could have ended up, ended up giving up a back-of-the-lottery pick for Conley. Um, 
So it ended up being a good thing that Detroit didn't make this trade. You don't want to have to throw in Luke Kennard as well, who we all believe is a, a, a key piece for the Pistons future-wise and while in the now after these trades. Um, so this is a very encouraging move by Detroit. It shows this front office is level-headed. They're not going to jump the gun. They're not going to make rash decisions. Uh, and, and I think all of us kind of have stated that we believe in this front office, even if we've come become a little bit skeptical at times. But overall, we believe that this front office knows what they're doing. I think Ed Stefanski uh, and Malik Rose have done a good job just kind of leading the way of this new-minded, uh, future-driven kind of thought process for the Detroit Pistons as an organization, which is great to see because I would have been very disappointed in Detroit had they given up Jackson a first-round pick, and Luke Kennard for Conley, who I'm just not all that high on anymore. Even though he competes, he works hard, he's a very likable guy. When you look at the contract, you know, the cap space he would take up for Detroit for the next few years, you look at his injury history and his age, it's just not something that, uh, it's in my belief system that I would go all after for a team that just doesn't have a roster ready to win. No, this, this deadline confirmed a few things. One, Aaron, you talked about, you know, we maybe had some moments of weakness with the front office. And I'll admit, I was one of them. A couple weeks ago on the pod, I stated I had some questions. This this trade deadline definitely wrapped that up for me. Definitely put my opinion on it. I do believe in them. Um, but then in the two main points you really brought up, uh, Luke Kennard isn't the future. Luke Kennard is the now and the future. That's what they've put on him. They believe in him now. Let's get it going. Um, and then that they are level-headed. They're not going to jump the gun just to fight for an eighth seed, just to make the pl- just to squeak into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's not what they're about. They, I don't remember who it was, but someone in within the Pistons organization was. We're not just going to fight to squeak into eight seeds. That's not what we're about. They're about. They're not willing to strap the cap for an injury-prone thirty-one-year-old point guard who I like. Mike Conley, great player throughout his time. An absolute shame he was never been an all-star because he's phenomenal. But it just that would have been just trading to get a name and just to make a trade. Yeah, all that's all it would have been. Um, to me, the most impressive thing is that Tom Gores has been all in on buying and all in on making a big move and hinted at the Pistons making a big move, was able to be tamed. And that Ed Stefanski, Malik Rose, they were able to do that. Um, and, and say, hey, no, we're not. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We are standing pat with our offer, and if they don't take it, we're not doing it. Um, so I think the fact, though, that Tom Gorris was able to be reeled in a little bit and understanding with the fact that, hey, we're not going to just go make a drastic move to make a drastic move is is a sign of positivity for me. Can I say one thing? Because I know we like to, to give Tom Gorris a lot of issues, which I think he's had some well-deserved criticism, um, but... Coming up to this trade deadline where he said he would go into the luxury tax if there was the right move that would put this team in a position to compete, and then him not forcing the front office to make this kind of a gamble and this kind of an asset-losing decision, uh, these are decisions by Tom Gores that maybe show that he's kind of coming around in a way on how he wants to run this team. And I think not only is that... Ed Stefanski and Malik Rose and the rest of the front office doing a good job of really laying out for him 
the the positives and the negatives of every move but it's also maybe Tom Gores has looked at how things have gone in the past and maybe he's having a change in his own mindset uh so I think you know even if it's a little bit there needs to be some credit given to Tom Gores for not completely forcing this kind of a gamble that maybe in years past he would have done I don't know if I agree with that I actually I really want to give the credit to Ed Stefanski and Malik Rose like I think they're the reason that it didn't happen well at the end of the day though if Tom Gore says I want Mike Conley you go get Mike Conley or I'm firing you right but I, I give all the credit to Ed Stefanski and Malik Rose for convincing Tom Gores to just trust them at least once this could have been a this might not be a turning of the corner this might just be a listen we're not talking about a perennial all-star trust us this time if it doesn't work out then you know it, it's your it's your team it's your franchise and we can adhere to your opinions, right? You're this right. might just be the hey, you've got to give us, you got to give us a little trust in year one to make a few moves, to make a few decisions. If this doesn't pan out, then we'll get more aggressive. No, absolutely, you're right about that, Brennan. But at the same time, for Gorse to let that happen, I agree. You got to give him a little credit. I'm all about giving a vast, vast, vast majority of the credit to Stefanski and Rose. Absolutely, but for Gorse not to just get in his own way and be like, nope, put it through. Yeah, it's I guess. It I, is, I, I, that's it. That's, all, just it. that's all it is right there. For being a responsible owner, for, yes, for, for making a rash decision, because for what, doing what you should do. Brendan, sure. I know you're being sarcastic right now, but what has what have the Pistons done in the last 10 years? Be fiscally irresponsible to the max. Oh, yeah. And, and all of a sudden, we've decided one time not to do that. A little credit has to be given. Like yeah. maybe something has changed a little. And more and more today, owners are having a greater say in and the moves being made. So for Tom Gorse to listen to the guys that he's paying to do the actual job of running the team, it's important because owners are starting to get way more involved in the daily operations of a team. So I think you have to give a little bit of credit there. That's fine. I'll be more friendly when I see the second and the third time that Tom Gore is his fiscal right. response. Brendan right. refuses to ever be persuaded by someone else's opinion. No, Brendan refuses to sit here and go, hey, Tom Gore has been absolutely horrible as the Pistons owner, and he does one thing right finally, we got to give him a little bit of credit. I'm not going to do that. Because you know what? Ed Stefanski deserves that credit. Tom Gore is, yes, he listened to them. But I'm not convinced that he turned a corner. I'm convinced that he gave them a chance. And fine, if I've got to give Tom Gora's credit for trusting his experts in that position, then I guess that's what we it's have to do. It's not a lot of credit. It's a very no, small smidge. You gotta it's, like it's a skosh of credit. It's nothing. But for him to actually listen, because what hasn't he done in the past? Listen. He's oh, empowered know. people to make boneheaded fiscal moves because he believes we're just going to win. We're just going to win. Dumb things that he pushes through. Hey, He still we, believes we, we're going to win. I, you, you, I know that. He but is still hey, all guess in. Guess what? We took a step back and we reevaluated. That's good. But now, yes, you're right. Let's see where move two That's, and move and three listen, go. And when, when the follow-up move and the follow-up to the follow-up move come back and, and, and they're, they're responsible, then and if boy, they're not, great. Then we walk it back and be like, no, this guy's a total idiot. I agree. But right now, that is one step in the right direction. I think that's all we're trying to say here. I agree with because that. It is a step in the right direction. If Let's say the Pistons bring back Glenn Robinson this year to have a wing to go through next year. And if 
Obviously, they'll make moves because they'll have expiring deals at the deadline next year. But let's say nothing happens. They'll go into the offseason with $44 million in cap space. That's the long game that Ed Stefanski was talking about. Just to give everyone the idea of where this cap space comes from, Reggie Jackson, John Luer, Langston Galloway, and Glenn Robinson III would all be off the books next offseason. That's where that $40, that's, $40 yeah, million That's where that 40, comes $44 from. Million comes from. That is a lot of room. And, right, it's hard to bring in free agents here. And, of course, you got roster fillers in the draft and possible trades at the deadline. But, in general, we're talking $44 There's million. a hypothetical $44 There's a hypothetical there. $44 million There's a max there. contract and more. There's there. a max contract plus a good player out there. Now, all of a sudden, you're trotting out Luke Kennard, Blake Griffin. I know Brendan doesn't like this, but Andre Drummond. If Svee comes along, you got Svee. If Thon develops mm-hmm. a little bit, you got Thon. Bruce Brown, if Kyrie, if they're able to develop Kyrie Thomas a little bit. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's a team here. And that's what I think Luke Ed Stefanski's talking about, is this long game. Be patient. They understood. We are a bitch. We are strapped on the cap. We're not going to be able to make these moves. Aaron is wearing this crazy Andre Drummond has a rebound t-shirt. Just insane. Brendan keeps pointing at it. But that is what Stefanski and Malik Rose in this front office are talking about. And I think that's a point mm-hmm. they made to it. Tom Gorris is, we can wait. Blake Griffin is not going to diminish. We still have that window. There's going to be a lot of space. There's going to be enticing, expiring contracts. And they be, might be more willing to part with a first-round pick as well. At that point next year. So overall, so overall, a satisfying trade deadline for the Pistons. Yes, yes, because they're playing the long game, which I agree. I with. agree with that as well. Um, so then you know we've talked to Pistons, the moves they made, the moves they didn't make. What I want to ask is, what was the, in your opinion, the most interesting trade that was made at the deadline? The most interesting one. It take a minute, right? And you know, you get in, in your head. Play that Jeopardy music. Do 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 do. Because you know, this wasn't scripted. I threw this at them without anybody knowing that this was coming their way. Um, for the NBA in general, or for, for the, the NBA in general? Okay. For the NBA in general. Well, I think it's got to be the Anthony Davis trade. I think. I think you <laughs> kind of were. Expecting something to happen. Well, let's let's go with the trade that did. Quiet. Let's go with the trade that did happen, though. Okay, so a trade that happened that you weren't expecting, or just interesting, one that you were like, "Wow, okay," you know, or or, or a team you're interested. What was your you most got, interesting? You got an answer, Ryan? I mean, I think one of the big winners here is Philly. Tobias okay, Harris yeah. for his go low ahead. usage yet ability to be extremely productive is crazy. Crazy good for Philadelphia. I think that helps them in the playoffs. I mean, the top of the East in general. I mean, all the moves happen. The top of the East in general is going to be wild in the playoffs. One through four. Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and uh, who am I forgetting? Who didn't I say? Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philly. (laughs) It's going to be insane in the playoffs. The Eastern Conference is going to be good again in the playoffs. Maybe not in the first round, but definitely once the second round on hits. It's gonna be oh come on! If Detroit makes a push to the eight seed, bro, come on now. So my most interesting move is Stanley Johnson to the Pelicans. Uh, but in reality, Markel Fultz going to the Magic 
Oh, that's great. I'm not sure if he will play this year. There's still talk that he could still miss the rest of the season as he just tries to figure out whatever is going on with him mentally and physically. Um, but I absolutely love the deal for Orlando. They give up Jonathan Simmons, who doesn't mean anything for that team right now. Uh, you know, as a team that they want, they say they're trying to win, but in reality, they aren't really going to win. They have a 2020 first round pick from the Thunder, so it'll be a high first round pick. Uh, ending up going to Philadelphia, which is fine for a gamble on Fultz, which I'll get into why that's a fine gamble. And then they gave up a 2000, or excuse me, a, a second round pick as well. Why is that a fine gamble for Markel Fultz? Because Markel Fultz was the number one pick of the NBA draft a few years ago. Uh, went to the Philadelphia 76ers, who his, in recent history have just done a terrible job keeping players uh, healthy and, and uh, getting them back from injuries. So Marco Fultz was not put in a great situation to get into the NBA. You know, you look at the Philadelphia 76ers and the, the process, and the process was developing the young guys, but that's no longer the process anymore. The process has evolved for Philadelphia. The process has evolved into trading your young assets for Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. So Marco Fultz did not fit into that equation. Marco Fultz now gets to go to Orlando to a team that has no point guard and when he is available to play he's inserted into the young core of Jonathan Simmons and Mo Bamba who has some some stuff to figure out because his rookie season has really turned into shambles. Um, But they still have Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier, Evan Fournier, Fournier there, a couple veterans that can help bring him along. Um, and Orlando has said all the right things regarding Fultz. They said that they're not rushing him back. They're going to put him in the best position to succeed, whatever it takes. That's a guy that you take a gamble on. That's a guy that I would have been all in on Detroit trading Reggie Bullock in a first-round pick for um, because Fultz still has a very high ceiling in this league. You know, if you give him the opportunity just to come in in a low pressure situation and just play basketball, there is a very good player there. There's a reason why he was the unanimous number one pick a few seasons ago. There's a reason why he absolutely killed it at the college level. And there's a reason why, in spurts, he was able to show that he can play in the NBA. There's a good player there, and the Orlando Magic, surprisingly, made a very good move. So, a couple other just notes from the trade deadline. Um, Marcus Saul headed to Toronto for Jonas Valanciunas, Delon Wright, C.J. Miles on a 2024 second round pick. Thought that was interesting. Um, another trade that I actually found some interest in: the Kings acquiring Harrison Barnes, and they gave up Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. But Justin Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, pretty close, obviously, with playing against each other in college. I think they were either AAU teammates yep. or something like that before as well. So, I mean, I'd read several reports that that could, uh, you know, definitely cause a little bit of an initial wave in the Kings locker well, room. So we'll see how they respond to that. Yeah, and, and the Kings traded Amon Schumpert, who the, yes. who the guys really liked. I mean, this is a Sacramento team that had the lowest of lowest expectations coming into the season and have put together a competitive year. They're right in the playoff race. And Amon Schumper was a guy that was playing a, a big role for that team. He was starting for them, and Justin Jackson was coming off the bench. You talk about uh, Jackson and Fox's um, you know, relationship, but Amon Schumper had a strong relationship inside that locker room as well. Uh, and he was playing well, too, so that was a tough loss for them. Ultimately, Harrison Barnes is a guy that they like as a, a part of their future, as a part of their core. Not sure how much I agree with that. I think Barnes is a fine scorer, but doesn't really provide much else. Uh, I guess he can rebound in theory, but... He's not a, a, a distributor. He's not a playmaker, and he doesn't really defend that all that well. 
So for $25 million a year, I'm not sure how much Harrison Barnes really helps that team, but this is a Sacramento, ting, Sacramento Kings team that is trending in the right direction, so I guess I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass there in a sense of I don't really like the move, but I don't think it necessarily will hurt them all that much. Well, those boys better get used to trades. This is the NBA. This isn't college or AAU mm-hmm. anymore. Um, teams are going to be separated. So, I mean, it sucks that you lose a really good friend. I get it, but this is the professional league, fellas. Get used to it. Business it happens. Business. It's business. Also, I think Harrison Barnes is better than Justin Jackson could ever be. I would agree with that. And I think also Justin, a mind jumper. I think Justin Jackson's a fine role player. I think yeah, he he's a decent role player. Um, and he's better than Amon Shumper. I get Amon Shumper was a good guy in the locker room. And that, that's what's tough. I get that. And that, those leader, are important. And that especially is very for important, a young team. Especially for, and I get that. That's the one I get. Um, and you're right. Harrison Barnes doesn't do much else than score. But for the team, I think it's a decent move. Not a great move. Maybe not, not the best move. But... It, it's definitely an upgrade over what they had. Mm-hmm. A couple other notes from the deadline. Yo, to go back to the Tobias trade, um, <clears throat> excuse me, four draft picks is what the Sixers gave up, along with Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, um, in the trade to the Clippers. Then the Clippers were able to flip Mike Muscala as well, as they sent him just next door to the Lakers for Michael Beasley and Avika Zubak. Um, and Zubak, who actually in some extended minutes had been playing well for the, the Lakers. The Clippers are just full of assets. I am so excited to see where this team ends up going because the assets and the cap space this team has is absolutely insane. And then what free agent do they sign this summer? And they're going to be players for all of them. They're going to be players for Kawhi Leonard. They're going to be players for Kevin Durant. They will get that interest. You know, Anthony Davis is another guy that next offseason could be in play. They will have plenty of opportunities to build a special team here. So then the final thing just quickly to discuss here as we wrap up the podcast the Pistons have said they're going to be aggressive in the buyout market. Their big targets, Wayne Ellington. Um, a couple other names have been tossed around as well. But, Aaron, something that Detroit's going to try to fill out the last couple roster spots, maybe even add a little wing depth um, heading into the the second half of the season following the deadline. Um, and, again, the report's out they're going to be aggressive with, uh, with the buyout market. Yeah, there's a couple guys, a couple names to watch. My dream scenario would have been Wesley Matthews, but he's – already pretty much committed to Indiana. Uh, Wayne Ellington, the, the name that stands out the most uh, for Detroit, but they necessarily don't have the money for him considering he's probably the best name out there and other teams are going to be available or other teams are going to be looking for his availability. Markeith Morris was a name I was intrigued in, but he's dealing with a neck injury. He was out at the beginning of January, could be out six weeks, but recent reports say it could be even longer because they just don't really know what's wrong there. Uh, so Aaron, can I cut you off for a second? Sure. So for the Pistons to be buyers in the uh, buyout market, they need to buy out a player of their own. They don't have any cap root roster space. There's no roster spots. Who are the Pistons cutting, buying out, whatever you need to do well, to make this move? Well, this is what I would do if I'm Detroit because they can still try to make the playoffs or you know, kind of you know, see where the wind goes with the team. But what I would do is I would buy out Jose Calderon and then I would sign – Shelvin Mack, who was one of the buyouts from the Atlanta Hawks when they traded for him. I like Shelvin Mack as that third point guard option, can play some two guard, 
injury assurance and actually is a capable NBA player. Uh, so I think he could be had for uh, you know whatever price Detroit's able to get him for. Um, so I think it's I think it would be that's probably the the best move of Detroit considering I just don't think there's a real shot for Wayne Ellington. No, I, I tend to agree. You got to buy out whoever it is, get all the money you can scrape together for that one half season deal, and go for Wayne Ellington. Do as much as you can to get him. But you're right, you're probably not going to get him because other teams have more flexibility to do it. And I think Shelvin Mack, that is a smart, solid piece to bring in. Uh, a third point guard can play the two, like you said. Uh, much more capable than Jose Calderon. Much more capable because le- we don't know what issue is going to be the rest of the year. Is this growing going to give him another problem? Because mm-hmm. it was a bad injury to start, and then a game or whatever back, he hurt it again and was out a couple more games. You need that capable third backup. It's not going to be Luke or Bruce or Kyrie anymore. It's too late, way too late in the season for that to be developed, which is a shame. I think that's a right, good move for him. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what Detroit does and the direction they go. Obviously, we talked about a lot, right, with who they're going to start, what move they're going to make in the buyout market, and uh, where they end up trending the rest of this season. Uh, but. You know, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. There's there's a lot of different directions that it could go. Um, but before we wrap, I think there was you know there's kind of an interesting comment, a couple interesting comments that you know were made by Ed Stefanski today. Um, you know, one of those being that you know he he admits they don't have the flexibility to put another star alongside Blake Griffin, maybe a jab at Andre, um, and, and then the other being that. You know, Blake Griffin has, has admitted and it's reported that he is very confident in guys like Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas, believes that they're going to be players in this league and contributors for this team, uh, whether that's this year, next, or beyond. Um, so just a couple of interesting remarks to take away from Ed Stefanski talking uh, earlier today. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and, you know, I'm, I think – and this is a point that it would take a while to really develop, but I think it's interesting, and I think it's really good that young players are getting into the league for a team like Detroit and Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas, and they have a star on the roster to help motivate them and bring them along because I think that's a factor in them working hard. Having a guy like Blake Griffin on your roster, have you seen terrorize the league for years? That that can only motivate you to get better. Who wants to be a leader? And he wants to win. He wants to be you know, like he's he not wants there to win. for the money. He's there to win ball games. It's because there's been players in this league who are absolute superstars, mega stars, who don't want to be leaders, who don't want to be mentors. And it's not shit throwing shade at this guy because I love this player <coughs> to the core of me. I love Tracy McGrady, but he always stated he stated during his playing career and after his playing career, I never wanted to be the leader. I never wanted to be a mentor. I just wanted to go out and play. And there are superstars who are like that. They don't want to take on that leadership role, mm-hmm. but Blake does. And, you know, the thing, uh, this is just another small point because I think it's a bigger topic that would take more time to get into. But you look at the second-round picks from poor teams in the NBA, such as the Orlando Magic. You know, look at a Wesley Iwanudu, or however the hell you say his last name, <laughs> because I know that's not it. But, you you know, you don't really see a lot from, from those second-round picks that end up on bad teams. But you get these second-round picks that are on – you know, teams that have a star player or good players or are a good team in general, and they have a higher chance of turning into something. And, you know, you hear Blake Griffin talk up these rookies. That's encouraging stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the Pistons get set to take on the Knicks tonight, if you're listening to this on Friday, the release date of the pod. And um, 
We'll see where the Pistons decide to go and who they start and the direction that they take. So we'll have a lot of interesting stuff to get back into next week here on the podcast. But before you go, make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Throw us a follow on Twitter at Palace of Pistons, on Instagram at Palace Pistons, or on Facebook as well. You can find and like our Facebook page. Check out our website, palaceofpistons.com. You know, when you were on Twitter, how about you give Aaron Johnson, A. Johnson, NBA, Ryan at Ryan Pay, or myself at Media Brendan. Uh, just a quick follow and uh, stay tuned. Next week, going to be a lot of great stuff to get into. We appreciate everybody who's tuned into this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.